When I was a teenager, I had a lot of energy. <laughs> Shocking. Shocking, isn't it? Neurologists, doctors of the brain tell us that the rational parts of our brain don't fully develop until our 25th birthday. And sometimes I wonder if when I was 13 years old in the eighth grade, I think my mom wondered if I ever even had a brain. Because all of us, from some time and some season of our life, there's no nice way to say this, have had either years or seasons where we had acted like fools. And energy plus no brain is not a good combination to have. And so as a 13-year-old, I remember this year, there wasn't a, a, a week that went by where there wasn't a phone call from a teacher a lunch detention, a visit to the principal's office, and I drove my poor mom crazy week after week. Well, finally, when she was at her wit's end, I got a call that for yet another visit to the principal's office. And I walked in, and the principal said, hello, Mr. Fredrickson. And I sarcastically responded, hello, Mr. Groom. And then what I didn't tell you is that our principal was formerly the head wrestling coach for the high school. And with his still muscular chiseled body and with his corn husker ears, he straightened up and got dead serious and said, take a seat. And it was like the authority had just summoned the whole room into a different shape. And so I sat down really quickly. And then he got right to work, quick, succinctly, like a coach. And he said to me, do you know that you're breaking your mom's heart? And with that one sentence, he pinned me to that chair and I was speechless. And then he said to me, it's time for you to start thinking about your actions. And then he started to reach down into his drawer and he was pulling something out. And at the same time, he said to me, I've talked to your mom on the phone. And I want you to know that if you don't shape up, I'll have to use this. And he slams this paddle onto the desk. And like a bolt of lightning, I got wise all of a sudden. And I said, you will no longer have any problems with me, sir. Today I want to talk to you about wisdom. <laughs> I'm glad you like that. <laughs> and uh, I want to remind us that millions of people throughout the world who are in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, they gather week in and week out to find some victory, some freedom over their addiction to drugs and alcohol. They meet in a 12-step program and with authenticity and accountability, strive for fuller life, for more. And week in and week out, as they meet together, they hold hands and they say with one of the, another the serenity prayer, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference and we started this teaching series off with the serenity, meaning that composure, that sense of centered and grounded heart in God. And then the very first movement of the prayer is for acceptance, accepting those things we can't change. And we made a list of all the things that we can't change, and we talked about human limitations. And then last week we talked about the other end of the spectrum, this courage to change the things we can. And we talked about all these incredible things within our very body, our human power that we have to change. And this week we find ourselves in the middle, looking at this incredible verse, the wisdom to know the difference. And so we open ourselves to think deeply about wisdom because 
We are like our brothers and sisters across the world. We want fuller life. We want deeper meaning to our life. We want greater joy. And oftentimes we get hindered by patterns that our lives get into. But this prayer has the power to allow us to think deeply about ourselves and to change our behaviors and actions. But what is wisdom? And what is this wisdom to know the difference? The Bible places wisdom in a central role. And in in the book of Proverbs, it says this really unique phrase. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this phrase is not about fear and shame and guilt. This phrase, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's about awe and wonder and mystery and beauty. This is the God who creates and sustains human life and the God who gives humans the gift of seeking and finding life within it. This verse, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, is our starting point into the beautiful wisdom that God calls us to. So what is wisdom? Isn't wisdom the art of reflective action? Now artists, those poets, those novelists, those screenwriters, they seek to tell the truth. And they seek to tell it beautifully. They master a craft or a skill, whether it's with their words or whether it's with paint on a painting brush. Art. Art is that process. That process of studying something, of creating something, and then reflecting and going back to that same thing. And what's incredible about artists is they do this again and again and again. Because we always need a piece, another novel, another movie, another poem that moves us because human beings are always searching for more truth, for more beauty, for more freedom. And so the artist is always in this this phase of studying and creating and reflecting and it's very humble. We never come as artists to the right or the perfect piece. We come to what's good and we're challenged to do it again and it's the same with crafting a life with a wise heart. We are all artists seeking to create wisdom, seeking to study those lives that are admirable, seeking to then practice a life that is meaningful and to reflect back on it, where we fell, where we did good, where we can keep growing. So wisdom is the art of reflective action. And this brings me to Steph Curry because I believe that Steph Curry's jump shot is art in action. Have you seen the NBA Finals this year and how incredible Steph Curry was? If you look at his amazing, elegant jump shot, his story teaches us something about what art is and what art does. Um, Art If you know his story, his father, Del Curry, was a professional basketball player. So at a young age, he was able to go to NBA games and to shoot around with the best shooters in the NBA, to watch their form and their mechanics, to begin to study it, to begin to put it into his heart and into his brain. And then he did his own practicing for years and years and then his own reflecting until finally this moment he reaches the NBA finals and shows us this incredible jump shot. But the power of this is that His jump shot, his art is not over. He is right now working on a step back jump shot, a pump fake into a jump shot, and this art continues. And that is like what it means to be wise people. We continue to grow. We continue to push and to challenge ourselves to the next level of our growth. So wisdom is the art of reflective action, but there's more than just art. There's a reflection piece. There's a cognitive, rational thinking piece of wisdom. There's a place where we step back and think carefully about our life and about the world. 
I love what Miles Davis says. The great musicians are like great fighters. They have a higher sense of theory going on in their heads. Isn't that wonderful? This sense of reflection. So wisdom is the art of reflective action. And this action is what makes it different than knowledge, right? Wisdom, when it knows what it wants to do, goes and does it. Action is about being decisive, about finally making the plunge, solving that problem, moving forward with your life. So isn't wisdom the art of reflective action? When Amy Mullins was born, the doctors told her parents she would never walk. She was born with no fibulas in both legs, the small outer bone that runs from below your knee into your ankle. And so when she was one years old, she was amputated below the knee. And Amy Mullins is a beautiful example to us of someone who has had to live, had to embody the serenity prayer, accepting things she can't control, and then um, having the courage to change the things she can, but living in that middle place of wisdom to know the difference. And I think that her life is a beautiful example of wisdom, of the art of reflective action. Amy um, says this, if we want to discover the full potential in our humanity, we need to celebrate this heartbreaking strengths and those glorious disabilities we all have. It is our humanity and all the potential within it that makes us beautiful. That's wisdom. And then her life shows us wisdom. Amy Mullins was the first ever athlete to play on a Division I NCAA track team at Georgetown University. Amy Mullins then went on to the Paralympics to set world records that are still standing in the 100 meter, the 200 meter, and the long jump. Amy Mullins' career is inspiring and an example of her not only acceptance and courage, but this sense of reflective action. She is wise, and in the second phase of her career, she decides that she would do this. She becomes, like everyone knows, a fashion model, from a track star to a fashion model. And this, at first, seems um, uh, crazy to us, but it's, it's amazing, because at this time, she's being asked to speak all across the nation. And she's breaking down stereotypes and biases of what it means to be an amputee. And she's challenging what we think of as really beautiful. And she's calling us to, to think deeper about our prejudices and our biases. And then she's walking on the, on the catwalk with these beautiful clothes and hand-carved wooden prosthetics. This example of courage in the midst of being criticized by the fashion industry and criticized by others, she's acting deeply, wisely, challenging and provoking through these talks and shining her light. And then as her fashion modeling career ends, she does her third career, this wise choice to become an actress. So she starred in many Hollywood movies now, continuing to speak, continuing to show people, to show girls, to show amputees, to show anyone there are no limitations for what human beings can do. I love what she says in a recent TED Talk. She says, you know, as an actress and as a fashion model, because of my prosthetics, I can be 5'8 or 6'3. <laughs> she is a model for us of this art of reflective action, of wisdom. She says this, I haven't had an easy life, but at some point you have to take responsibility for yourself and shape who it is that you want to be. See the way she's reflecting and thinking deeply about her world and moving into action. 
Wisdom in the Bible and in the serenity prayer calls us. It invites us to do something beyond our emotions, to think deeply, to use our frontal lobes that we've been given. And in that passage we read today, it says this, If you accept my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, if you indeed cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, wisdom. The Bible cries out for us to be people who have wise hearts. And don't we live in a world where we need more wisdom, where we need more hearts that are full and wise and can look back upon this world and be the art that our world most needs. And then the Bible, in this beautiful poetic passage, it says that God is the generous one. God is the one who gives us this wisdom. God is the one who heaps wisdom upon our human hearts. It says, for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. And then wisdom does something else profound in our life. Wisdom is the way. Wisdom is the way that leads us to more fuller life. Wisdom is the way that leads us to greatness. And the passage says, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be present to your soul. Prudence will watch over you and understanding will guard you. It will save you from the way of evil. And in a beautiful passage in 1 Kings, uh, in a dream, God comes to Solomon and says, what gift can I give you? And Solomon says, I want wisdom. And the Bible tells us that God was pleased. And then in another passage in 1 Corinthians, Paul is expressing to these Corinthians in Asia Minor that, that, that Jesus is the wisdom from God. So we have this wisdom upon wisdom, this call for us to be the people of wise hearts. But what does it mean to, to in the heart of the serenity prayer, to say the wisdom to know the difference? We've learned that on the one side of things, there is this acceptance for things we can't control things that are out of our hand, and we learn about human limitations. Then on the exact opposite side, we learn about all the things we can change, and we're taught about our human power, and somehow this beautiful prayer has taught us right to the middle again, right in the middle to think about what wisdom does, because in between the pole of human power and human limitation is where we live most of our life, and in between this tension is wisdom. Have you ever had a problem that you could not solve, a relationship that pained you, uh, um, a work situation, something you were working on, and you felt that tension? And there was some uncertainty around it. There was some mystery around it. That's when you need wisdom, when you feel that tension, when you feel that pressure. All that mystery is right in the middle, and that is wisdom. And the call for us is to move beyond the acting with courage and to move beyond letting things go and to live in that tension, to move from quick action to deep thought, to let ourselves settle in and to let the art of reflective action move us forward. There are times in our lives where we need to accept that these situations are out of our control. And there are times in our life where we need to have courage to hit, go headstrong into a problem. But there are other times where we need wisdom, reflective action. So I wonder why 
What keeps us from being people of wisdom? What keeps us from really embodying this ancient way of wisdom? And I love what Philip Carey, the theologian, says. There is no shortcut to learning wisdom, no bypassing the hard work of learning to make good decisions, because the aim is to acquire a heart of wisdom. And such a heart must be formed by a wisdom that is truly its own. So Philip names for us that it's hard work to have a heart of wisdom. But I think there's other things involved. We live in a culture that teaches us that what we act, the way we act, and the way we produce is what truly matters. And wisdom calls us to step back from time to time, to think more carefully about our actions and the way forward. And so wisdom is countercultural in our culture. And the way our brains are wired, there is an amygdala in the oldest part of our brain that fires these emotions. And it tells us to fight or to flee. And most of us all of our lives have learned to fight and to flee when there are problems. But our frontal lobe, the most mature part of the human brain, it moves those emotions into deep thinking. It's where we process rational things, that front part of our brain. And so this amazing call to wisdom is a call to move beyond the emotions, to move beyond the either or, and to think deeply and to move forward. I want to invite you to take a moment right now and and take a look at this centering image for our sermon series. And imagine that the flowers and the mountains and the clouds are all a deep metaphor for the things that we cannot change. All the family histories and all the laws of physics, everything on that list in the upper right corner. And then imagine that you are standing in that meadow and within your very body is all these internal things, your attitude, your health, all the things in the lower right corner, the things you can change. The serenity prayer tells you to let go of the things you can't change. And on the other side, it tells you to have courage to change the things you can. And imagine that that flying machine is your deepest hopes, your greatest desires, the deep stuff, all of the stuff of the heart, what you hope to get out of this incredible journey called human life. And then imagine, between these two extremes, you are tethered. And being tethered is a good thing because it allows us the fresh soil for wisdom. And it allows you this, to use your brain and to reactivate the art of reflective action. And I want to just invite you to take a moment and just in your mind to quiet yourself and quiet your body and to think about where in your life you need wisdom right now. Make a mental note of that problem, of that relationship where you have tried everything and you have come to a standstill, where there's great uncertainty. And I want to challenge you this week to somehow write that down. Maybe it's on the postcard with this image. Maybe it's in a journal. Maybe it's on a piece of paper. And allow yourself to push beyond simple answers and to come back to this for at least five days in a row, writing out a different way of solving it, seeking God's heart for wisdom. Take a moment right now and commit yourself to cultivating a wise heart. Jesus, you have invited us to abundant life. You have shared your life with us, sustaining and challenging us along the way.
Will you meet us in this uncertainty? Will you push us beyond our easy answers and give us the wisdom that we need? And all God's people said, amen.